because if somebody else is another contactee, they kind of emit this thing that I call Artron energy that I stole from Doctor Who. But Artron energy, I think, is actually when you get around some of these technologies that are grown or go through these wormholes, or you have the beings that go through these wormholes themselves, they emit this energy, this type of high energy. And I think that something that we're experiencing that we're on board these craft, it radiates our, our cells. And so when I get around another experiencer, another person that has that vibe, I can sense it. And I mean, you know, especially some of the stuff he was laying about the moon, about the temporal war. And mm -hmm. I'm aware of a temporal war because my guides and my team has, taught, has, has spoken this before. What happened is I actually had the near-death experience. Yeah. The second part of it, all right, was I saw loved ones. My uncle had just died a couple of days before I had this accident. We just buried him. And I saw my grandmother and her friend, right, which was um, very real, like talking to you guys now. It wasn't like some vision. It's like I was there talking to them. Uh, yeah. And my uncle said something that scared me and kind of woke me up. And But anyway, point being, after all this is over, before I could even fully remember who I was, when I woke up, in my mind's eye, I could still see these angelic forms. I'll call them angels or supernatophim. Uh, a word the Uranta book uses, supernatophim, I think that's more accurate. These are very high. These weren't physical beings. These were light beings, all right? Like, imagine a thousand strands of individual light. And I saw different ones. I saw four ones, four, four different color ones. Wow. And so that's uh, something that I can still see. I can still feel these beings and see them. So then even after I remembered who I was, this was still with me a lot. And the reason why this kind of coerced me into coming forward is that I've dealt with, through childhood, other experiences that are non-humans of some type, either interdimensional or extra galactic, all right? And they're very high vibration also. And when I say that, and I know people get upset when I say sometimes, but sometimes their consciousness seems like it's a little, quite a bit more evolved than ours, mm -hmm. right? Oh, sure. By the same token, these beings were nowhere near the same as these angelic forms I saw when I died. And I know that these angelics channeled the people's energy that were praying for me, the prime creator, uh, created uh, healing energy so that I could I could be healed because I've defied all things of being cognizant being able to talk to you right now I promise you that that's something that a lot of people tripped out on but I know there's just other things involved but nonetheless I wanted to know what you know why is there such a difference between because these angelic forms were almost I can almost call them regal and they were emitting so much light and so much pure love coming off them, I swear to you, just a little bit more, I think, would have actually burned up probably my chakras or burned up my body. Really? I don't think we can take so much of that. Yeah. You don't wow. think of love being able to hurt in that way, but I think some of them has to be contained when exposed to us. Just I spent years doing spiritual practices to try to evolve my consciousness and awareness to a point of where I went directly to the prime creator at the point of death and skipped a lot of these other, these, these other levels and really? stayed aware. Now I tell you with all that practice and everything I did, but when I got hit and got jacked, I was up there laying up there. And a lot of times, man, my butt was out. <laughs> I mean, I was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was in a coma and I was out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know it was 
probably processing things. A lot of things my brain was processing and doing, but I can't fully recall all of them. So that means that when the death process hit me, I still experienced, I'm a firm believer that the death process wants our life memories. And that's what it takes from us when it hits us and when it impacts us. And I was trying to survive that, but yet when de the death process impacted me, still I found that I was kind of encountering that, uh, I think maybe, maybe it's the Christian Bible that calls it uh, the sleep of death. There's a sleep that comes with death. I encountered that. So I was not fully aware the whole time like I should have been for all the spiritual practices and accumulation of energy and awareness I was doing. They told my family when I didn't stay dead, I guess, that to be prepared, I'd be a vegetable. And yes. Most yeah. devoid of long-time long time life memories, especially, right? Now, I'll throw something extra in for you, right? Uh, one of the things I suffered was diffuse laxonal, which means that my brain had actually turned in the case, okay? And they said if it didn't turn back, most likely I would die from the swelling. Well, there was a well-known uh, clairvoyant in my city that came to see me while I was in the coma. She came to see me, and um, I had called her after I was out of the hospital and well again. And I said, I, you know, I, had a, I, had, I want to talk to you about some of the NDE. So when I, I go to her house, and she starts telling me that uh, she says, you know, when I walked into your, your room, they let me go back there. And I tried to clear the energy, and uh, it was, as soon as I walked in, she described seeing six angels in this room. I remember four that I could see in my mind's eye. She described six. She said each one that spoke to her, it was telepathically a different language that came along with musical notes of a type. And he said, when she walks in, there's this yellow one there. I remember the yellow one. And she says, he says that you're going to make a 100% recovery. And she said, I never doubt the angels, but you look pretty bad. You know, and I was like, hey, okay. <laughs> And she says, um, she says, and in the next angel, there was one, the next one was above you, and he was massaging your brain. She said, I don't know what he was doing. He was massaging your brain. He was doing something. And there were others working on uh, one on the lower, my lower neck, another on my lower back, and the other one's watching them. She described six. Now, dig this. So one morning, they call my family and tell them uh, something's happened his brain turned in the case. Turned back. So, so, yeah, so what she was seeing was this angelic form trying to turn my brain in the case. Wow. And for anyone that wants to dispute that, look up diffuse axonal and look up what the turning of the brain in the case is that I'm talking about. It's very real. So, and this is the, the, the term that they gave me, okay? Temporal aphasia. And what that's got to do is that when, when you're actually on the craft, like for me, even when I first got like the first adult experience I had, um, that I talked about that one quite a bit, when I actually went into the craft, all right, and then it auto automatically, it starts feeling strange. You just feel a little bit strange. And there's this, this device on the, on the side of the wall that's a black cube, but it's like this, it almost looks like a, a tire wheel or spokes going holding it up but it's like at a 90 degree angle or something like that on the wall and when I start looking up at it that's the first time it really started like this this feeling and to me I say it feels like being on a, a merry-go-round merry -go 
or like on or on roller coaster when you're going down the g-forces are pulling you down yeah it feels quite similar to that there's also a kind of a mist on most of the rooms i've been on on these ships that smells like a type of windex or maybe ammonia but it makes the breathing not very that comfortable either so the problem is you've got the inside and outside of the craft are not in the same dimension. So even um, though the inside is enough third dimensional corporeal that you and I can exist there, but yet they can exist there kind of half phased out as well. But yet that is not the same as being in the third dimension like we are right now. So it creates this distortion that your body picks up and it becomes is kind of like, I don't, know if, I don't know if we want to call it allergic or what, but it's a very much a feeling of being just dizzy all the time, nausea, uh, smelling that stuff. Then you're getting telepathically bombarded, and that just makes it hard to exist there. And it makes me, a, I myself believe that, uh, well, from my experience, I couldn't have lived there and existed there that long. I had this experience in the sixth grade that I call the acid rain experience because it involved that. But it was, you know, definitely, definitely confirmed everything that I knew was real anyway. But I, my thought was after that, I was okay. The next time something like this happens to me, I'm going to grab a piece of equipment. I'm going, you know, I, I'm going, I'm going to grab something that I can bring with me that proves this happened to me. But you know, the truth is, during the experience, I'm so impaired by temporal aphasia, I'm not much of a threat to anybody. I'm not much on <laughs> succeed, successfully making out this drawn out plan to steal a piece of technology. It just, it just doesn't work like that. Just being able to perceive what's around you without throwing up or passing out is a major accomplishment. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And, and what you were saying makes a lot of sense, Tyler, because um, when you come back, it seems like at first there's like kind of maybe it's it lasts for a second, but then there's this elation that comes afterwards. Like you're kind of just hype, man. I'm like, oh man, you know, this happened and you feel all charged up. Then maybe after that, oh, I don't know how many hours later, but after that you're <laughs> for about <laughs> for about a day you're wiped out. Oh, I'm sure. You just sleep a little sure. bit, you know, maybe a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. I think that's just the body adjusting to being what is it really like to be on a multi-dimensional ship without all the hype and all the stuff we hear in the mainstream? What is it really like though? You know, what, what I was shown is that there's a compound, all right, that involves using minerals and quasi-crystals and those type of compounds from planets that are devoid of sometimes atmospheres, but also Van Allen belts. And what they do is they get bombarded by so much cosmic radiation that the metals there have resistance that we're unaware of here, okay? They mm -hmm. take that, they also use a type of a fungus. There's all types of fungus, but the type of funguses combined with the DNA from parts of the crew members, just the DNA itself. All that is taken together and grown over a micro wormhole. Okay, so these things are actually grown in deep space. Wow. And that kind of changes things quite a bit, you know, but that also allows the crew members to have a symbiotic connection with the craft itself and for the craft to be sentient. And that also takes us into the area of 
craft that are able to reproduce themselves. Most yeah. entities can do that. And why a lot of these crafts I've been on didn't have windows as well. So we start thinking about these multiple alliances working together and you've got a craft like that. You've also got some of these, these civilizations that are type two, type three, but they're on the Pico scale, on the micro scale. Okay, so you're dealing with things that are <laughs> a whole nother level. You start yeah. dealing with the thought of a, of a mega structure but you've got like, like, give example, Dr. Lear pulled some of those uh, implants from people and he found that some of the carbon nanotubes that are in them were like miles long. Wow. So if you have that and that, can you imagine if you go a, a civilization beyond that into the Pico, what their civilization would be like if they actually built, built a mega structure over their solar system? They're going to, they're going to be, contacting people like us civilizations like us from inner space like martin short <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know but they're, they're gonna be coming from inner space though you know what i mean opposed to the ways we're familiar with contact yeah and i think that's very important right now but when you're looking at other civilizations that may help to construct another craft to grow another craft within another i think we're getting into that type of a realm that's heavy, but it is what it is, you know? Wow. You guys have to remember I showed, um, and it's one of the few groups of beings that gave me a name. I normally don't get any names or anything, but the Andromedans, these, these, the blue guys with the white stripes. Yeah. On their, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I was somewhat obsessed with those white stripes because they felt as mobile as they had these little sticks they were holding with these crystals on them with these, fiber optics coming off of them, but they seem to be, the, the, the lines in their, on their soups seem to be as alive as the fiber optics of what they were holding. You know what I mean? And they're telling me that that's actually connected to the ship itself, that fiber, that type of some, whatever, and I guess it's way beyond fiber optics, but that's what it kind of looked like to me. All right, so that's kind of part of the nervous system I think we, they may be using as a symbiotic uh, nervous system with the ship, I think. But that isn't what's going on out there. There's a lot of good activity. And more than that, I think if you're open, the land will accept you and give you something that will be one, a chance to heal, another two, something that will help you to carry on your perception or expand your perception. And I think that's what we're dealing with is a type one civilization device out here that's been on earth for a long time that's still functioning. So our question is how many others are starting to function or wakening up right now. Yeah, there are other places on earth like that, but just food for thought, you know. <laughs> and, and one of the things that James says is that he, when you leave the ranch and go to the ba base of the mountain and try and look for these lights, you don't see them. But you see them from the ranch. It's, it's, like, it's like the filter is removed when you're, when you're actually on that ranch to, to be able to see and experience all of the stuff. I did, I did a video with uh, John Favenko from the right hemisphere remote viewing. Yeah. He had some fascinating stuff to say when they tasked the mountain itself. Because uh, I, I mean, I got blasted so hard the first time I was out there in 2016, I wouldn't have myself a hypnotic regression done before I went to go speak the second time in 2017. I just couldn't go out there without knowing fully what my super consciousness had recorded from the experiences I had out there. I mean, yeah. just, it's just one thing, just 
just to get over hearing the Sasquatch yelling between those mountains out there. And it's mm. no joke. Nice. It, just to get over that yeah. is one thing. You know, I, was, well, I, I can't sleep at night, so I walk around a lot at night. You know, no one's up anymore. I feel like I'm being watched. Rocks getting thrown. I mean, weird stuff happening out there, man. You <laughs> I, can't. Tyler, I had, Tyler had I had a rock thrown at me out there walking around. I had experience. Really? Yeah, yeah, I had Sasquatch experience every day out there. For me, the first time I went out there, right? This is in 2016, and I'd say a week before, I was hanging out with my brother one night, and I was putting my PDF together and stuff, and he's like, what are you doing, man? I was, I was actually just obsessing about albino Sasquatch, blonde Sasquatch. I just kept thinking about this, so I started looking up Thinker Thunker's stuff on it, M.K. Davis. I mean, I was just going crazy on this, and then when actually getting out there, one is I'm not from that part of the United States. I was somewhat unprepared for how remote that place really was. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and once, once we get out there, um, and as soon as I get about just a little before the gate, man, I start feeling like I'm being watched. And then the whole time we get on there, I feel like I'm being watched. And I want, I want one of the deals for a brother going out there, a brother doesn't really care to camp, so I'd rather have conveniences if I can. So they put me in that yurt down there. And as soon as I get down to that yurt, man, it's, <laughs> and especially at night walking down there in the darkness, you feel like you're nothing but being watched all the time. Then there's broken <laughs> trees behind there. Then there were these rocks on my doorstep. I mean, stuff started, especially after the conference, stuff got so weird for me out there that I thought that maybe James was playing games on me or tricks on me or something, but it wasn't him. And that, that proved later. But I mean, man, that's just, uh, <laughs> I got telepathy mind speak from the one that referred itself to as elder out there the first year I was there and when I say this it's no joke I know telepathy all right and this individual was a much stronger telepath than me he he was overwhelming me with emotion and imagery like telethought as he's doing it and then he cuts the channel off and when mm. he cuts the channel off I could not get it stocking it back up i couldn't do anything he was back there creeping on me everywhere i was going on property i'm watching other people you know what i mean i creep around i just done a video on invisibility and this this dude is out here using it on my own stuff on me you know what i mean so it makes you think <laughs> i mean it's really to a certain degree it's cool but a little disconcerting and i gotta be honest now that i'm back home i can act tough but the truth is i'm out there I'm not so sure I'm prepared to see one, especially yeah. when I'm, because, you know, that, that's something that he thought happened for me. I'm walking back down to the yurt. It's, it's got to be, oh, gosh, fellas, it's like 345. It's late. You know, and I, I just turned off my flash. And I said, hey, look, when I was back home, I said I wanted to have experience. That was just talk. These branches that were pushed over for me in the back of that yurt were pushed over eight feet up. So whoever did it would have did it at chest, at chest level. That means they would have had to been pushing, pushing 10, 10 yeah. feet or taller. Yeah. And I said, if one of you guys steps out on me of the bushes and you're 10 feet tall, I'm going to just trip out. <laughs> so please don't do it. I said this verbally and tel telepathically. Really? I walked down and sat on the end of the yurt. I felt like an idiot, basically, you know, I just sat there <laughs> and before I could lay down, uh, I got hit with the telepathy. That was, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, we have a good primate exhibit here where I live. 
I've been near the, I think it's a silverback in there. Uh, he comes up to the window, very beautiful animal, but guess what? No, no telethon. So yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> because we're not, point, those are just animals. No, they're ETs. No. Like I said, we talked privately, just him and I for a long time, several times. And some I asked him, because I'm familiar a couple of things he stated. When I'm like, I was like, man, I've seen pictures of you in this huge uh, royalty draconian he was around. Tell me about that. So he did. And what he said, and it wasn't a story I would have expected. You know what I mean? He said yeah. that just they, he was taking this building. It was something different, this building. And they went down underneath into the basement. And what he described, and I, I remember look on his face, man. You know, I, I won't forget it. He, he said, he said, when we went down, he goes, there was the most horrible smell of urine. Yeah. He said it was urine, the most horrible urine smell I've ever had, ever. And he said this thing came out from the back. And he had talked about how assaulting it was not just to see it and the size of it, but how much it was psychokinetically on him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. I mean, that's, I'll tell you, that I'm them like a polygraph. And that's a, that's pretty real. His description, that was pretty real. Look on his face. Yeah. I'm a firm, firmly convinced that 85% of our population is having intense contact. And it's most, more than half is unaware of it. The totally, stuff that are happening yeah. in the dream cycle, you know, in, in the subconscious, superconscious, even mm -hmm. the people who are just seeing a UFO for a few seconds, you know, a lot of communication can go down there superconsciously that we're unaware of. Mm -hmm. And the further we get away from the event horizons itself, the harder it is to kind of solidify those memories. Can mm -hmm. I talk to you about this and that? Now tell me a really intense contact experience a lot of times it may have happened in their room they wake up and a being is there and starts communicating with them you know yeah and then they all they'll say the same thing but you know but i can't tell my husband about this i can't tell my wife about this yeah i'm sitting up there just kind of going like this scratching my head going well you know did it happen well he was he was laying right next to me but he didn't see anything you know thinking to myself you can't hide this because you've, yeah. you've got people in a situation like that living together, married, that won't tell each other that they're having experiences. That's how bad the disconnect is right now in our society. Yeah. And I'm hoping to see it come definitely get wiped out more and more. But I mean, man, that that that's serious to where you can't kind of tell somebody that you're you're with, gonna spend your life with that you've had experiences. The fear of being labeled as crazy or these other mm -hmm. things, but it's stopping us from going forward into becoming a type one civilization. If you mm. remember Star Trek First Contact, when the Vulcans yeah. came here, everything changed, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't hide it then, you know. Anyway, <laughs> I get startled by just the appearance, the appearance of some of the beings and sure. or waking up not at home or being in an environment that's not normal. But they've never, they've never assaulted me. They've never done any, except for what I showed the Andromedan Council members doing, or when I got in the descent chamber where they put that like backpack thing on me. I've not been experimented on. There's never been a sexual connotation to any of my experiences. So that's, but that also made me kind of lean, that stressed me out when I was younger because when I'm looking to the main, mainstream, all I'm seeing is negative encounters, abductees, and yeah. I wasn't abducted, you know what I mean? So that never fed in, but that caused a lot of, a lot of stress. But no, yeah. I think that, a lot of the positive contact experiences need to be 
more acknowledged. Like for example, that free organization, when they did the, I think they did 4,800 people they surveyed. And out of that, you know, like 90% said they have positive experiences. Really? So I think that that's the mainstream doesn't focus on that enough and it gets drowned out. I know cool. they're not all that. They're definitely yeah. the negative factor there, but the positive needs to be emphasized just as much or more because at a certain point that starts tainted people having experiences, new experiences. They start having this and our brain starts interfering with what these beings are doing through the divine field. All of a sudden we're in a bad situation. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And we're yeah. generating it. So my experiences started briefly after my mother passed away, but they were all negative. Uh, it was all negative for me at the beginning, but it never deferred me away from it. I still was fascinated with the subject. I wanted to know what was happening. Uh, and then eventually I started realizing that I had, you know, I had an entity attachment that was, I guess, fueling these negative experiences. I don't know. Uh, but I've been, I got over that and, and it started becoming, I started getting the blissful positive experiences that like what you're talking about, the stuff that really you take something from it instead of just fear. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope people listen to that, what she just said. That's heavy. So you actually had an entity that was trying to make you have negative experiences and intercepting whatever was happening originally, right? Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. I think that's very valid. Though people really pay attention to that, you know, because it's, it's easy. We can have something attached to us from a family member, Mm -hmm. and especially we have family members that were battling over land a couple of generations ago, man, that mm -hmm. stuff following, it, it tracks bloodlines. Oh yeah, yeah totally. And, and it, yeah. And it, then, so then you've got that, you've got an entity who's just trying to, to attack you in that way. But then we've got the media on the outside that's showing mm -hmm. nothing, but everyone getting abducted, everyone laying yeah. on the bed, getting sexual anal probes and all that stuff. So when you start having your experiences, through the divine field, it starts getting inter interrupted by that entity that was doing that to start giving you negative thought forms. So those will start building and start becoming more of a reality for you. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's a vital and that, that does what they do. And, and sometimes I think when we, as people like us being prime creator people, uh, loving people, whatever we want to call that, all right, uh, we're under constant attack. Mm -hmm. You're aware you're under constant attack and it becomes a method of not just how we shield ourselves. Sometimes that protects us. So what are the other ways and avenues that these forces use to start breaking down your shields and to get in the cracks? And, and, and something important is this protection because I actually, I just had a negative experience like last week or something, uh, maybe a week, two weeks ago. And I, I woke up to this being in my room. It was like a transparent being, but I could see the veins. I could see its veins, its inner structure. It was almost like a bioluminescent, but he had this pumpkin head. This was, I woke up and he was in my room and I'm staring at him. Really? And I didn't say anything. And he had this pumpkin head, which I thought was funny. I, I wasn't even afraid of him actually, but I knew he was trying to scare me. And the reason he had pumpkin head, I think, is because I was terrified of that movie growing up. 
Pumpkinhead. Uh, like, yeah. it gave me, I was so scared of that movie. And I think, I think they portray themselves as something that they know you might have feared as a child. And I actually, yes. I went to my Reiki healer. I just had a session last night and I laid down in the bed and she's like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised to see you like this. I was all out of alignment. I was all blocked up and, uh, and there was, she said there was an entity, but it wasn't attached. She said, I'm too bright of a light for it to actually attach, but they can definitely make it difficult for you. And that's what was happening to me. And, and she said, have you been doing your protection practices? And I said, I said, not, not like I should. And that's what happens when, as soon as you let your guard down, if there's a moment for them to get in, they'll, they'll try and, or they yeah. will. And they'll make your life difficult, whether whether it's you getting agitated about stuff or just just small things. Uh, it just leads to you know unhappiness essentially. So so practicing that protection is crucial. Yeah, and you know I tried to mention this at the at the conference too. You know a lot of times, it not just these entities will do it. Well, so will a deceased person in the house also they'll start doing things to where they can't get to you exactly. So they'll start manifesting into liquids, you know, as in um, start messing with the plumbing of your house, cause you a bunch of problems. So jump over into your car, start mm -hmm. messing with the plumbing there, messing your transmission and all these things to stress you out, stress you out. Yeah. That's yeah. another good way to do it is to create financial havoc. And that's, you know, that's, it seems like that's what was happening too. It was, it was wild. Uh, tell I had, I had a question. So you said you had a bunch of uh, other negative experiences. Were, were those with grays or something? Were they grays or what kind of beings were they? Yes, I've definitely seen the grays. Uh, definitely seen the grays. Other ones, uh, at the beginning, I didn't see anything. I couldn't see the beings, but it was, it was more of, uh, the sleep paralysis stuff that, but it was, it was becoming, I, it was becoming to where I was afraid to go to bed as an adult because I knew it was going to be a horrible experience. Uh, but yeah, it did involve grades. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting how quickly they come with the negative experiences. I yeah. hear reptilians a lot, but yet when people tell me that I, I haven't met as many outside of Corey that can tell me they physically seen one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think the people that seem physically grazed, I know that, but reptiles seem a little bit different. And I wonder how much that is the media interjecting that as well. But the gray thing, there's so many, I know there's a lot of different types of them. Like I used to, when I couldn't see some of these beings uh, and they're on the craft, they're communicating with me or they're giving me information, you know what I mean? When I'm in my normal 3D, 3D life, I'd be like, how come I can't see you? Are you grace? You know what I mean? And they'd be like, no, that's not our vibration. And they'd show me certain things about grace, implying that they're some type of an android yeah. bio. When I started listening to actually their first few descriptions of those beings, I remember Betty Hill saying something about the leading of, leader of these Zetas. She said the leader looked different. She said he had a huge nose. And she kept saying he reminded her of what used to be an old comedian named Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante was that one big old nose, they called him the snodge. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, when you start thinking about that, when you start looking at some of the older, like 
in Samaria, some of the some of the headdresses, and yeah. some of them were having big noses also. So it oh. kind of makes you wonder, you know, where that where that kicks in at what type of a gray is it that has the the big nose opposed to little ones that we are familiar with. Yeah. It's just so many possibilities, I guess. And the only beings I've seen that look even remotely similar to that was these Andromedans, and they weren't gray. They were these little blue guys that, I mean, they were ridiculously little. To tell you that they were two feet tall might be pushing it. These really? little, little guys, yeah, yeah. But they weren't exactly grays either. So I don't know where that begins and ends as far as a, as far as a body form. As far as, I want to say, I want almost said Adam Cadmon. That's the humanoid form, right? I, <laughs> I don't know how far as they go as a form. It's just food for thought. But we start hearing things like um, the gray overlay. It's when uh, you have masseuses, the people that are doing masseuse and energy work, but especially masseuses saying that they've had clients come in and they start immediately thinking about gray aliens and things of that. And when they're actually have phones in there that are shut off, they start making noises or they'll see like a gray, almost a holographic projection coming up, especially when they're working on the neck. They'll see this come up and they'll just notice it. It's, and like Linda Moulton Howell is the first person I heard mentioning it. And after that, I think she got just inundated with people. And I started having a couple people I know that are masseuses saying they've had some similar like that happen to them. Really? So it makes you wonder wow. with these forms, with these phones and everything, what is that, man? What What is that? It kind of makes you wonder what is the prime intelligence behind them? If you've got a lot of these grays themselves are bioandroids, they're connected to the ship, them and the ship are one. So that is your cosmonaut right there. Yeah. What is the prime intelligence sending them? That doesn't seem to be addressed very much. You know, the, the first time I saw a healing, uh, I didn't count it because I was kind of like in dream body in there. I know I, was, I wasn't there physically. And I tended to disqualify those because they just weren't as tangible experiences to me as when I could go up and touch a wall or something like that. But the first time I saw people in this room that just had a bunch of colors in it, they seemed to be floating. And there is uh, like maybe, maybe one of them's on a bed, but they've got like these devices over them. And the device is giving a light coming out of it that looks like spider webs, kind of. And I have some type of a healing going on, all right? Then the next time I was around this engine, I showed a picture of that. This is a huge engine. It's got three crystals in it that inside of what looks like almost a glass case of a type. But these three crystals have their own bioluminescence coming from the inside. It looks like they're almost wrapped in a type of a copper or something. And they start spinning. And when they start spinning, they create this hum. And they're this deep basal hum. And they're spinning so fast that I almost can't see them anymore, all right? But this uh, being uh, that's floating along the side of the engine that I met before, Xandar, he tells me, he, said, he says, um, that sound, that engine cannot just power legion ships and small planetoids. It can also heal human flesh. So I assume it's the sound I was hearing that could yeah. somehow heal human flesh. And I think also that sound has the ability to also maybe nullify some of the fear coming from us during the experience itself. 
yeah. whether when it's when we first see the craft or when we're on board it. Um, another example would be an experience before that, another engine, I showed this one also, looked like it has a honeycomb in the center and it's actually surrounded by like a um, spherical Rings? Anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, rings. Thank you. Yeah, so it's moving, all right. And when actually it's projecting a light that's going up completely to the top of this this craft, and it's going like actually decks above. But on the first deck, when I'm up there, I'm seeing people. Now they're kind of in dream body, where I'm there physically suffering from temporal aphasia. They're kind of see through a little, and they're touching. They're taking turns going over and touching the living light on this on the ship on this deck and i know what that was number one is those people are having astral dream experiences like that not physical one like me because they're not being subjected to the temporal aphasia the dream energy body doesn't conform to the same physical parameters that this body does so they're being spared all that while i'm up there Mr. Physical Guy about to throw up, about to lose the whole experience while they're actually touching the living light. And it's interesting to hear a lot of people when they say uh, they touch the light towards one of these engines, it turns into like a worm, like into a black hole, and they have access to the Akashic records. I remember I told wow. you that these are grown over a micro wormhole. So technically yeah. the engine itself is temporally displaced and when you when someone's touching the light body, it's going to be convert to those particles you'd be able to see using that. You know, wow. it says a lot about beings that actually use the wormhole for their source of power source. That's type what type two and type three up. I think type two up. I think is what wow. they do there. So, yeah. Man, just just you talking about that, the level of technology that they've reached is so complex like for the human race to even begin to understand this in a in a digestible way is not it's we're so far off and you know I, well maybe maybe not in the programs but on the surface level well and the spirituality of the planet of the of the mass population isn't keeping up with the technological advancement and when that happens that that's what ultimately creates the collapse of these civilizations. So right now, that's yeah. why we're seeing this shift occurring where everybody's spiritually being awakened. That's what this awakening is about. Yeah. This has to happen so we don't collapse again. Mm -hmm. We have to start understanding who we truly are because that was the problem in the past. The technology would far surpass the spiritual development. You know, three things, three things of what you two just said come to mind, all right? One is there are two aspects of the technology there I could, I always had a hard time accepting, all right? One is, and it sounds silly, but I'm just gonna keep it real, I try to. I've never seen any light, light sources inside these craft. There is just, there, the light just is. Yeah. I don't see any fixtures. That makes no sense, okay? And then number two would be this, the rooms tend to move around you. Like, or, or, or for example, like I, see something looks like a window and i'm a curious person so i kind of just you know so sick i can't hardly get over there but just to try to see what's maybe in there just look through the window boom you're in that when you're in that room really just like that and then all of a sudden that that temporal aphasia 
increases with that. So, so the distortion's even worse. You know what I mean? So what wow. kind of, what, what kind of energyometry is it that allows the rooms to move like that? Or is it like being digested inside of an organism? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, it just, I always try to figure it out. And the next thing that I bring up is um, what you two just said. And I think this ties into a SETI a little bit also. You know how many orbs you can see out there? Yeah. Everybody trips out on orbs out there. And I saw orbs is a big thing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some orbs, sometimes people have taken pictures of them and say, oh, it looks like there's either a gray alien or some type of a being inside being. there looking out. That takes us into that whole thing of the quantum hologram and the quantum hologram of consciousness. Mm. And my primitive understanding it is like, if we actually have a maker or I'm sorry, a wormhole, okay? And let's say I throw uh, my phone or something in there. As soon as it goes through, there is something on the surface of the wormhole called a Mako, the magnetic eternally collapsing objects. And what that does is actually stores the information that is to put in there. And so you have a copy on the surface of the wormhole itself. While the normal, the real phone or whatever it is goes through, that there's also a copy on the surface. So that's, that's, that's the quantum hologram. A lot of times you've seen a UFO, there'll be just one there, they'll be doing like that, and all of a sudden there'll be two, then all of a sudden there's one again, then it'll be gone. That's because yeah. it's jump frequency right there and you're seeing the quantum hologram oh. uh, also being exposed, but it can't maintain itself after that. So when we start dealing with that and the fact that we have a lot of these type three type four civilizations that are using the wormhole itself for their prime power source they may they as a civilization may no longer exist and are simply communicating with us through the quantum hologram itself wow you know what i mean so we, yeah <laughs> so we, yeah. things like that. this is what i came into terms with at seti itself there's a device out there in this book i didn't know that's why I, Tyler, I thought that you were the one who was asking me about this Keys of Enoch book that I had uh, oh, okay. brought up out there a couple times. But there's a thing in there they call the ore station in that book. But it, it was descri describes this type of a Merkabah that can actually uh, be used as like a universal station for several dimensions. All right. And I think that's what's in that, in that, in that, in that mountain out there. I think there's something that kind of scans us. When we're on that property, it scans your soul life memories and then will produce an effect. Like let's say, uh, let's say like for me, I never seen a cat being. I had all these experiences, but I never seen a cat being. But during this regression, I wanted to know what beings I've seen this ship that came right up on me that caused me to miss time out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And once on board a huge, a huge looking, a lynx looking being that I've never seen anything like that in my life. So, so I had to go through thinking, okay, is this something that I actually experienced with my consciousness or was it that this device out there scanned me and then produced a type of an orb technology that got in, in, you know, once an orb of that size, any size gets in our field of awareness, our bio field, it can change our perception. So I had to think, since I hadn't seen a cat being, did this mountain scan me? I hadn't seen one. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. I mean, I don't yeah. think that's fully the case, but nonetheless, I had to take that under examination, you know? 
because yeah. that's what's happened out there. I think it's a type of a work technology. And I know this has got to be right because I was looking at some like equations that Rudy Shields and them were doing, the other quantum physicists. They were trying to attach the quantum hologram to the individual atom. So if that's true, that means it doesn't take, we don't have to even see the orb for it to get in our field of awareness to totally change our perception, whether it's seeing a Bigfoot or it's seeing stuff jumping around out there. You know what I mean? Or just crazy dreams. I think it still counts because this is something trying to keep us going forward. That was the part used to be a type one civilization. That's my big theory on it anyway, what I've been able to put the information together. And that's why I want to talk to John about it because John's team had seen a type of a Merkaba crystal device inside that mountain. So we kind of came to the same conclusion in a different way. It was kind of cool, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th I think when, when dealing with terms of terraforming and things like if we were to go Star Trek-wise, think about like the Genesis Project, I think you're looking at actually a uh, self-activating software with a self-activating hardware system. And when looking at some of the sacred sites, like even Lebeke Tempe, the way it looks yeah. like these tuning forks and stuff, mm -hmm. and some of the crop circles themselves look like from orbit, they might possibly be not just marking, but they might be complementing each other's different hardware and software. Yeah. You know, for yeah. it's quite possible. It makes Whatever a lot of it sense. is, it's going on for a long time. Yeah. Long time. I was, yeah, I've reading the book, uh, Bringers of the Dawn. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. It's a channel Pleiadian message from the 80s, actually. But what they said, the original crop circles that first started appearing had no other purpose than to give the mainstream scientist to force him to question reality, to force him to expand what they thought was possible. So it was just a, basically a project to expand consciousness. Yeah. Make people realize that like there's something else here that we can't. Greater, greater reality than what you're aware of going yeah. on, yeah. Essentially that's how they started because they knew we would never, never get the message at that point in time. Now we have a much better chance of deciphering this stuff. But yeah. well, you know, it's interesting because something I asked John about extra crop circles. That was before the, the, the video, then we talked about there again. But you know, he described it the same as the singularity inside of Mount Adams that you can see lighting up there sometimes. Yeah. He said that, especially in that area of uh, England, there's these, um, there's a portal, but also uh, micro portals that are moving around. And what you've got is just from that side, thousands, hundreds of thousands of entities that are trying to squeeze through these singularities all at once. And what happens, however many actually able to get through, when they do emerge on this side, they come out in a collective state of oh. these plasma orbs. Wow. That's and interesting. That's what they, and, then, and then they, so they start working collective consciously with the earth and trying to communicate with us. And I think that's that's very interesting, you know, yeah. very interesting because that that it almost it says something about what happens when not just trying to bring materials from one dimension to another, but from really an entity transmutes from one dimension to the other. Mm -hmm. What is it really like when they emerge here? It might not be like what we think. You know what I mean? Just food for thought yeah. again. Yeah. Else, but 
I'll tell you, that's, if that's what happens, and there's several thousand of them emerge as that, and it explains why some of these can be negative. You know what I mean? And yeah. my understanding at a city is you've got those feline beings there, the cat beings that are actually monitoring that singularity to stop all negatives from coming through. Mm. I think that's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating. all of it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> all of it. 